This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. that I want to live. But the rare people that do, you might feel like, this is where I want to be. The rest of us are like, what's next? Right? Um, also, as, uh, as you are getting to know this group, if you are coming in fresh and maybe you haven't got all of, all of this uh, series that we've been in, we have a podcast that, that goes out on, on Spotify that we weekly update to uh, what our content is from that week. And so if you want to Go back through the Come and See series and, and see that. Or maybe you want to pick up something from last semester. Then uh, we'd invite you to, you can either scan this giant QR code or you can look it up, uh, Converge Sunday Mornings on Spotify. This morning we are blessed to have our worship team with us. I can invite them to come on up. We're not quite ready to start, but we'll let them get up here. But it's also appropriate because if you want to be a part of our worship team, then they, these are busy people. And sometimes they, they can't do a week. And so having some people to fill in is really important. This is the guy to talk to right here, Josh Velez, if you want to be a part of our worship team. Also, uh, we have our tech booth in the back. Some of you guys are, you, I know you have some tech ability. Seth is back there doing it all by himself. He does a great job. We're thankful for Seth. But he could use a break every now and then, too. And so if you want to be involved in our tech booth, then speak to Seth. That's his phone number on the screen. You can do that. Anything going on around the church that, um, that you maybe missed an announcement in the main service and you want to know more about what's going on, the hub is where to go for that. Um, the Heritage Hub has all the upcoming events and the, the way to get to registrations for things that are happening. Um, then that's an important place for you to go for things maybe like New Connections. New Connections is our pathway to membership here. I think that this time is actually full right now, but just so you know how to do that, um, New Connections is our one Sunday afternoon um, event that takes place to let you know more about the church. Pastor Nathan teaches it, and so you get to, to be a little closer to him and, and ask him questions and that kind of stuff, um, and it's really a great afternoon to even if you just want to know more about heritage and maybe you're not quite ready to join the church it would be a great place for you to be when when it comes around a couple of special things that i need you to be aware of that we don't have a slide for that i just need you to know about um number one is that this wednesday for those of you who are liberty students which isn't everybody but some of you are if you didn't know it from my understanding you don't have class on wednesday is that true assessment day um, we have a special opportunity for just 10 of you, only 10, all right? I know everybody's going to want to do this. Some of you really need to do this uh, for CSER. So if you're one of our CSER students doing your CSER through Converge, uh, Christopher Thompson, where's Chris? There he is. Christopher Thompson has um, scheduled 
a, an outreach opportunity at Parkview Mission for Wednesday afternoon, 2.30 to 5 o'clock, packing food bags for the people that come to Parkview Mission. We need 10 people, no more than 10 people. They, the facility won't accommodate more than that. But Christopher's looking for uh, people to help with that. If you are doing your CSER through Converge, then I would really push you to contact um, Christopher and get involved in that. Another opportunity that's coming up in about a month, a lot of the ladies of Heritage Baptist Church are going to be away at a retreat. Yeah, that's all? That's all I get? For, <laughs> come on, Rhonda. There we go. Okay. A lot of our ladies are going to be away at a retreat, which means that a lot of our faithful children's ministry workers are going to also be gone. Okay? So I'm pushing you guys for one day. If you, if you don't ever do it any other time, I'll push you for one day to volunteer in our kids' ministry areas because they're looking for like 20 to 25 people to fill empty spots that day. And so please um, look into that. If you need to know more, you can contact me uh, or you can um, contact Carrie Saunders at, um, at the Heritage Office. We also have a special announcement, right? Um, where's, oh, perfect, about King's Players and a special opportunity for you. Hi, uh, just a quick thing. I'm Bethany. I run sound for a liberty group called King's Players. It's a traveling drama ministry, and uh, we're going to be doing kind of a musical Easter play on Palm Sunday and um, Easter Sunday, so the 9th, the 10th, and then the 16th and 17th. We're going to be going to Madison Heights in Birmingham, Alabama. We have a bus, so all expenses are paid. But um, we need like three to four guys to be centurions and disciples and things like that. So um, if you think you might have those weekends free and you're a guy and you would be interested, <laughs> um, yeah, just come see me or I think Dr. Dr. Allison Love. But yeah, just come see one of us. Great. So that's a special service opportunity for you too. And then the last thing, I promise the last thing that we're going to talk about before we have our time to worship together is that on Easter Sunday, our group... Converge has hospitality Sunday for the church. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna have sign up starting next week for those of you who can be greeters at doors or stand at welcome desks and smile. I just I always tell people it's not hard, right? You have to be able to open a door and smile at the same time. If you can do those things together, then you can do. If you can also say hello or good morning, that works even better. But but the main like baseline is smile and open a door at the same time so we'll start signups for that next week josh thanks for being here all right you guys can actually go ahead and stand with us we're going to start worship this morning
Psalm 56, verses 1 through 4. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for, my, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And I don't know about you guys, but for me, this season has been a season of learning how to put my trust in the Lord. And uh, this next song that we talk about talks about putting your trust in God. It says that our strength is in his mighty name. Another line says, our guide He's our guide through the wilderness. And so I don't know where you guys are this morning, but I just want to encourage you that no matter where you are, you can always put your trust in the Lord.
And I praise you, Lord, for such an opportunity to just come before you and praise your name, Lord. I pray that you would receive all, all the glory and the honor, God. I pray that you would be with our speaker this morning, Lord, um, that you would just speak, speak through them, Lord. Let us hear from you and, and you alone. Prepare our hearts to hear from you, God, and may, may our eyes just be fixed upon you this morning. We love you and we thank you. Amen. working. Hey, Josh, can I get that? It's interesting that uh, Dave is... Uh, gone for several weeks and he, he's not here when uh, Justin is speaking or Jeremiah or or Ben or any of the other guys but he hears that I'm so he's here to keep an eye on me to make sure I don't say anything that that I shouldn't uh, shouldn't say so I, I know why you're here buddy so <laughs> it's good to see Dave's smiling face out there okay we're in John chapter 6 so go ahead and Turn over there, and uh, we're, we're going to be focusing on John 15 through 15 through 21 this morning. But um, before we get there, <clears throat> I wanted to share with you. I had an opportunity recently to hear a, a a powerful testimony from a young lady who, uh, not much older than most of you in this in this room. And this young lady has, uh, she, she has, has felt God's call several years ago um, to go and share the love of Christ with, with unreached people groups and just committed her heart to, Lord, I want to go wherever you send me, I'll go. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful testimony of God working in this young lady's life and how she had committed to being on that path of, of going to the nations. Um, She's been working in every way to make, that, to make that happen. The thing is, is this young lady in, in recent year or so has been undergoing some significant health issues. And these are, these are not health issues that just go away. Okay, they're, they're, they're ones that, that, that can stick with you for a lifetime. And... Um, really significant to the point where no one would blame her at all if she changed her mind and said, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, I'm not going. But she's not. She's committed. She knows God has called her, and she is pursuing to that end, abiding in Christ. And the, 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 the beauty of her testimony that just came out in, in hearing her speak was just the deep abiding in Christ that she had and God's incredible faithfulness, his peace and presence during this challenging time in her, in her life. Knowing that God has called her 
and trusting him to, to lead her through this, through this path and through this, through this time. Incredible testimony. <clears throat> One of the questions that was asked of her in this, she was, uh, several people were, were asking her questions, you know, about her, you know, her journey. One of the questions that was asked of her was, in looking back over the last year, what are some ways that you've seen God work for which you are most grateful? Over the last year, what are some ways you've seen God work for which you are most grateful? And this is her, this is her answer. In a season of great weakness, God showed me his strength by providing boldness and so many opportunities to share the gospel. He has taught me so many different lessons through this and has increased my reliance on him. I have learned that my energy is his, and so I can trust him with however much he gives me each day. Just a powerful, powerful testimony by this, by this young lady. And her words just have continued to come back to me time and time again these last few weeks, uh, as, especially as we've been in John chapter 6 and uh, the two miracles that we've been talking about so far in John chapter 6 and, you know, been presented, uh, you know, the feeding of the, the multitudes, the 5,000 plus, you know, last week and, and seeing God and his, his Jesus, his, his provision in, a, in abundance when all, that, all that, that, that the disciples had, all that we have is, is completely inadequate to the task. And then looking this week at Jesus and his uh, meeting the disciples walking on the water you know, looking at Jesus, his great power, um, his peace, and his faithfulness to always be with us, even in the most difficult situations. So we're going to be in John uh, chapter 6, like I said, starting in verse 15, um, and looking at this, this miracle, this sign in John. Um, the, the same event is also recorded in, in Matthew and Mark. And we're going to pull in some details that are in those accounts that are not in John's accounts and uh, that are just so very uh, intricate in, in, in the details that, that the Bible gives us. And, and one of the, the phrases that I like to keep in the back of my mind whenever I'm reading the Gospels and especially John's Gospel is the detail is deliberate, okay? Don't ever gloss over a detail or a phrase and think, well, that's just there for no, you know, it's there for a reason. There's details that are that come out, and it's just so amazing to to read. So, but we'll pull some things in from Matthew and Mark's account of this this same this same event. But let's read in chapter six, uh, and I'm gonna just for context, I'm gonna back up to uh, verse uh, verse twelve just to give us some context in this in this uh, passage we're gonna be looking at. So John chapter six. Beginning in verse 12, and he has just he has just fed the fed the the, the five thousand plus um, the five thousand men plus women and children in this um, on the mountainside. And when they had eaten their fill, he Jesus told his disciples, "Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost." So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. 
When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Believing then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So we see that after the, the feeding of the five thousands, the, the the disciples go down, they get in the boat, and they're starting to, to row across the sea. Right off the bat, we've got to start pulling in from Matthew and Mark. Both of those accounts bring up something that's very important to this whole this whole passage. <clears throat> Matthew in verse 14, you you can you look in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6. That's where these, these accounts are located. But Matthew 14, 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So it's important to note that Jesus sent the disciples. He told them, go down, get in the boat, and go. Without me, you go. It's important to note that Jesus sent them. This is a you know, simple enough task. The disciples, many of them were, uh, were fishermen, as you know. So this is not something that was unusual for them. They would go down and they would have no problem rowing wherever they needed to in the Sea of, sea of Galilee. But uh, this was not something that they hadn't done before. They had done it countless times. But Jesus, in this instance, had something for them to, for them to learn. Jesus was, was consistently and constantly revealing more of himself to the disciples. Uh, all the time that he spent with them, there was constantly teaching them, revealing more of who he was to them. All the teaching that they had heard, all the signs that they had seen him perform, and had just, earlier that day, had just had, just, uh, had them participate substantially in, in, the, in the miracle of feeding the 5,000. So he was constantly teaching them, constantly preparing them. And now he sent them, sent them, on, sent them on alone. <clears throat> Jesus, in his omniscience, sent them out on the lake, sent them out on the sea, knowing that the storm, that the storm was, was coming. But he sent them out anyway. Warren Wearsby, in his uh, commentary on this, on this passage, he's, he says, he makes this note, <clears throat> sometimes we are caught in a storm because we have disobeyed the Lord. Jonah is one good example. But sometimes the storm comes because we have obeyed the Lord. We saw in the, in the previous miracle that Ben went through last week that Jesus tested the disciples. He said, he, he tested them for he himself knew what he would do, which is just fascinating. <clears throat> Later that same day, we see this second miracle 
Jesus knowing exactly that a storm was coming, and he still he sends out the disciples. He sends them into a storm. So the second thing I want to want to point out is that Jesus was was totally aware of their situation and was watching them the entire the entire time. John in chapter 6 verses 17 and 18 he says his disciples went down to the sea got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum it was now dark and Jesus had not come to them the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing Mark in his account chapter 6 verse 47 and 48 and when evening came the boat was out on the sea and he Jesus was alone on the land and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So it's obvious, the Bible tells us Jesus was, was able to see them. He knew their situation and the stress that they were under. He sent them, and all the time, knowing what was coming, he remained fully aware of their, of their situation. He didn't, he didn't send them out and just forget about them. In the same way, he knows your situation. He knows my situation. He knows the trials that you and I might find ourselves in. He is totally focused on us in those situations. But the question is, are we sufficiently focused on on him we can sometimes find ourselves in situations and we um, sometimes you know we have to be careful is this situation that I brought on myself because of disobedience or sin or is this a situation that just was totally unavoidable um, sometimes we can look at it and say Lord how come you brought this to me um, how can you get me out of this situation um, that's focusing on ourself in those situations it's challenging it's not easy but the right way to look at it is lord i'm in this situation um what do you want me to learn in this situation how do i look to you to see what you want me to learn in the midst of this situation because i know you're here you're here with me arthur pink in his commentary says uh, look around and we shall be disheartened. If we look at our, our circumstances, our situations, look around and we shall be disheartened. Look within and we will be discouraged. But look unto him and our fears will vanish. And just, again, thinking back on this young lady's testimony, that was so obviously apparent. I, as I was listening, I was asking myself, how would I respond? In that same situation would I be Lord hey you you called me why are you making me go through this why are you making me go through this her her attitude it was just so obviously she's abiding in Christ Lord what do you want me to learn in the in the midst of this there's something else that's mentioned in in Matthew and Mark that is so so very important and that is what Jesus was doing as the disciples headed out in the boat. Um, in Matthew's account, in 
in chapter, chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So this is, I get chills when I read, when I read this and I think, okay, <clears throat> the significance of this, the passages that we read in, in, in Matthew and Mark, they don't, they don't say what Jesus was praying for. Any, anytime it mentions Jesus prayed, I always wonder, what was, he, what was he praying for? And when we get to John 17, that's the paramount of hearing you know, Jesus' high priestly prayer. But, but just in this passage, it just says Jesus went up on a mountain and prayed. It doesn't say what he was praying for, but we can certainly assume, based on what we know about Christ from Scripture. Um, I think ahead when... Um, it's in Luke, when Jesus was predicting Peter's denial. Um, and he tells, he tells Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So it's very obvious, I think, at, as Jesus comes to greet them sometime later, he was alone on the mountain. How did the disciples know that he was praying for them? Unless he, he at some point told them. He said, I was praying for you guys while you were out there. I knew where you were. I knew what was happening. I was praying for you. Okay? That it just is, is awesome. But I want, <clears throat> I want uh, three loud volunteers to look up a verse and read it. Okay? Who will? Dave, you've, I saw your hand go up. Um. So, okay, Dave, I want you to look up Romans 8.34. And you, if you don't mind, look up uh, Hebrews 7.25. I got one more. One more verse to look up. Okay, um, John 17.9. So read loudly so everybody can, so everybody can hear, Okay. Who is indeed interceding for us today, now, right now? Hebrews uh, seven twenty five. Okay. Again, Jesus, right now, praying for us, interceding for his beloved, for us, and then John. 17.9. Okay. And this is from Jesus' high priestly prayer. He is praying to the Father right now. And he prays for the disciples and for, and for those who would come, come after, meaning us. Okay. Jesus is interceding for us. So I think it's just so powerful that it's mentioned that Jesus was up on a mountain by himself and was praying. He sends them, then goes away by himself up on a mountain to pray. 
it seems logical and likely that he was praying for the disciples and the trial that they were about to encounter for their faith to be strengthened for them to come to know him in a deeper way through the experience for them to know that he has all authority and to know that he will be with them in time of need. Just the things you know he must have been praying for, for these disciples. And we can be comforted and secure knowing that our faith is in this same, this same Jesus. As we're, as we're studying these, these miracles, um, sometimes we have a habit, especially if we're familiar, you know, we've read these things so many times. Um, we suffer from familiarity and we, we don't read them and really pause and think, what is Jesus teaching the disciples? And by a connection, what is he teaching me in these, in these? It's not just one more miracle. Each miracle is distinct and different. And remember, the details are deliberate. Each one, we are learning who this Jesus is. And to think that this same Jesus who walked on the water, who turned the, the, the water into wine, who fed the 5,000, this same Jesus is in heaven today at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That just blows your mind. We can be comforted, secure, knowing that our faith is in this same Jesus, that he knows our needs and he is all sufficient to meet those needs. That he knows our situation and our distress in the midst of trial and before the trial. Jesus knows what's coming next week, next month, next year. And he's praying for you right now, knowing what is, what is coming. Our job is abiding in him to have that, to foster that close relationship. So our eyes are continually focused on him, not ourselves and our inadequacies and not our situation and not our trials, okay? So when those trials do arise, we know where we are in him. But just knowing that he is praying for us in the midst of the trial, even before the trial, and that he is right now interceding for you and for me. So, in John, John's account, <clears throat> he says, uh, when they had rode about three or four miles, then they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. So Jesus, Jesus comes to them on the storm, in the storm, walking on the, on the water. They had, they had been rowing for, for some time, and Matthew and Mark mentions that, uh, um, that they started at dusk, and they rowed into the fourth watch, of the night when was the when was the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m. so they started at dusk they had been rowing many hours perhaps even all all night I guess daylight savings time it might have been you know off by an hour or so but, but they had been rowing that long okay um, several hours in a bad storm. And as anybody can, can tell you, you, the Sea of Galilee is the, geographically, the mountains around it causes the, am I right, Ben, the, the, 
the, the storms can come up suddenly and they're violent. This was a windstorm. It wasn't a rain, but it was, it, it was a windstorm. The waves were, anyway, it was a violent storm. These guys have been straining at the oars for hours, okay? But the, the cool thing is they, uh, they had kept rowing. They didn't stop. Um, don't confuse this account in John and Matthew and Mark with the earlier account of them being out on the boat and the storm came up and Jesus was asleep in the, in the, in the boat and they say, don't you care? We are perishing, you know, and then he calmed the waves. Separate account. That happened earlier. That's already happened. Okay, this is the second time they've been out on a boat in a storm. So look at their response, how different it is from that first one. So they spending time with Jesus, their faith had, had grown. They had learned, learned a little more. They're still, until the resurrection, and certainly the Holy Spirit came, they weren't going to grasp everything. But they, they, had, they had learned. They, were, they, they stayed at their oars. They kept rowing. Okay, their faith had, faith had grown. One thing, <clears throat> James Montgomery Boyce brings up something that I just had never thought of. They had just fed the 5,000, and, and they collected how many baskets? 12 baskets of leftovers, okay, one for each disciple. What happened to that? Where did they, where did, they didn't throw it away. I mean, Jesus told them, save it. This is, this is, you know, don't, you know, we got to collect these leftovers. It's not in the passage, but you got to figure those baskets might have been in the boat with them, okay? Um, which would have been a visible, tangible reminder of the miracle that Jesus had performed earlier in the, in the day. Which makes me, makes me think, when I'm in a situation of, of a, a, a trial, do I... Think about previous occasions when God has been faithful and God has answered prayer, God has delivered, God has provided, God has taken care of things, um, walked with me through those things, or do I forget about that? Am I consciously aware of the times God has, like in that young lady's testimony in the last year, what ways have you seen God working for which you are most thankful? Do, is that something we contemplate? Okay. Um, the disciples, it says they were frightened. <clears throat> um, it was dark. Uh, they were over the, over the water. There was a storm. They were obviously exhausted. And now they see Jesus walking on the water, unhindered by the waves. It's an absolutely impossible sight. But it's a powerful and intentional object lesson for the disciples. Jesus' complete authority over creation. The authoritative power of Jesus. It's absolutely understandable why the disciples would be, would be frightened. Verses 20, 20 and 21, he said to them, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, 
and immediately the boat was at the land to which, we were, to which they were going. And I love this, this contrast. Jesus intentionally shows them. It's all planned. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what he was going to be doing. He knew they were going to be exhausted, frightened, fearful. He intentionally shows them his incomparable power and complete authority over creation. And then very intentionally says, it's me, it's I. Do not be afraid. I think how many times in the, in the, in the Gospels do we, do we see that phrase, do not, do not be afraid? Um, when was it said at the, uh, well, when the angel came to visit, visit Mary, you know, do not be, do not be afraid, okay? In, in, in the presence of the powerful, presence of an, uh, of, of an angel, okay? <clears throat> the Mount of Transfiguration, when they see uh, Jesus and Moses and, um, was it Abraham? Hmm? Elijah, yeah, thank you. Um, and he, he says, do not, do not be afraid, okay? Just how God, in the midst of, in the midst of here's, here's, here's who I am. See who I am. My, the power that is, that is here. But do not be afraid. And if we are in Christ, this same power that Jesus has is he, he tells us, do not be afraid. It's, it's, it, well, it, it, I'm getting off my notes. <clears throat> I love this contrast that he, he shows them this power, and then he says, do not be afraid. I've got no reference for this that I wrote down several years ago, but something I copied down is kind of a paraphrase of what Jesus was doing here. He's saying, see, you know, see my power. You can't understand it. It's more than you can even begin to comprehend. But also know that I love you and care for you. You need to know who I am so that you can take my message of salvation to all the people. And that's what, that's what Jesus was doing in all these miracles. You need to learn a little bit more about me. He could have, in the first week of knowing the disciples, he could have backed the truck up and unloaded everything about himself to these disciples. He knew there was no way that that would, that could happen. But just gradually, over the three years that they got to spend with him, <clears throat> these intimate times that he had with them, to reveal more and more of himself. Because he knew that they had a job to do after he departed, after he left them, he knew that their job to carry on his, his ministry. <clears throat> so they were glad to take him into the boat. And glad seems to be somewhat of a, an understatement. They had to be overjoyed, relieved, comforted, and confident that Jesus was in the, was in the boat with them. Um, <clears throat> I got a few questions that we can, we can take home um, that I want to, Seth, if you don't mind. Yep. Okay, knowing that Jesus is not only with us in our trials, but is always interceding for us, how should this cause us to view our trials differently? Do we look at our trials in a vacuum and think I'm in this by myself? Um, 
who's in here with me? Jesus is, if you know Jesus, you know that he is with you in our trials. Not only that, but he is interceding for us. How should this cause us to view our trials, our trials differently? Okay, the next question. Okay, and the, then the next one too, that's actually the same. Yeah, this is actually the same question. The 12 baskets of leftovers <clears throat> were reminders of God's power, provision, and faithfulness, whether they had them with them in the boat or not. So not what's in your wallet, but so what's in your basket? <clears throat> what's in your basket of remembering what God has done in your life? Okay. Um, looking back, ask you the same question. Looking back over the past few years, how have you personally seen God's power, provision, and faithfulness in your, in your life? Okay, so this can be one of those questions this week. Don't ask anybody today. Let them think about it, pray about it. But over the next week, find someone you know in this class and say, so, what's in your basket? And then let them share with you what God has done to display his faithfulness in their life, and then you tell them that, okay? So, what's in your basket? This testimony that I heard from this young lady, she, she didn't have a basket. She had several baskets. And she was, she was saying, hey, here, let me, let me show you God's faithfulness in my life during this struggle. Here, here. She was giving away the leftovers of the, of the, the, the faithfulness that God had just had bestowed on her in her in her life okay <clears throat> next question what can you practically do yourself to focus on God's faithfulness and not on a particular trial not on the trial that you're in okay and then the last question is the, the same question we've been asking every week how is this good news for us what do you who do you know that needs to hear this good news. <clears throat> I love John's gospel. And just the beautiful thing about John's gospel that's just, you know, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. John is, 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 is different. I love them all, but, but John especially is just um, incredible. And how he focuses on the deity, the deity of Christ. Um, from the very first, very first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and then he goes quickly into the, the powerfully personal way that God chose to reveal himself to us. You know, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? Here's who Jesus is. You must understand who Jesus is. Okay? Before he starts sharing what he, what he did but then I love, as you get into um, 1 John, in the very beginning of, of John's first letter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, this is, again, the disciple, the disciple John, the one who was probably, you know, close, he was in Jesus' closest, you know, circle of, 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 of disciples, circle of influence. But this is what he says, what was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, 
what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare it to you, the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy might be complete, may be complete. So the, the thing that, that really comes out in all these, all these signs, all these miracles, all these encounters with Jesus and John is the, the fact that the disciples said, here's who he is. Here's what he did in our midst. I need to tell, tell you about who this Jesus is so that you may, so that you may believe. And Ben so appropriately gave us the purpose statement of John. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So all these baskets of, of memories are God's faithfulness in your life. What are we doing to be able to share those baskets in God's faithfulness? And testimonies of what God is doing in our in our life. So, Dave, I'm gonna hand it off to hand it off to you. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate really appreciate that. To to think through the fact that you you are in a storm. Or you're going to be, right? I mean, we're going to find ourselves in these trials and to have this challenge of, of keeping in your memory, keeping in your back pocket for those times that, that you need to be able to reflect on who Jesus is and what he has already done for you, that you keep uh, what's in your basket close at hand. But also that Jesus already knows the struggle that you're in, the trial, the, the storm, and that he's bigger than the storm. That's good news. That's good news for you, and it's good news for the people that you come into contact with that are also in those storms. Can we just pray, and, uh, and, and we'll be done for today. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for, for sending Jesus to be our sins. Not only that, but that we can have relationship. Jesus, thank you for this example that you gave by letting the disciples experience the storm so that they could look to you. And Jesus, help us to remember to look to you when we find ourselves in the thick of it. We love you, and, and we know that you are bigger and that you know where we are. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.